from the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to this Tuesday, April 26th edition of Washington Watch. Coming up, Russia warns of World War III as it intensifies its assault on critical infrastructure in Ukraine. That comes following the visit by Secretary of State Anthony Blinken and Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin to Kiev. We'll get an update on the situation in Ukraine from CBN News Senior International Correspondent George Thomas in just a moment. As for the threats of World War III, retired Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, former Deputy Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence, now the Executive Vice President here at the Family Research Council, joins me to evaluate that threat. And Secretary of State Anthony Blinken testified today before the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Fully funding it is critical, in my judgment, to ensuring that Russia's war in Ukraine is a strategic failure for the Kremlin and serves as a powerful lesson to those who might consider following its path. We'll be joined by Montana Senator Steve Daines in just a moment. And the crisis grows on the southern border. With illegal immigrants and deadly fentanyl pouring into our country, any administration living in reality would be working overtime to actually secure the border. Instead, even now, President Biden is trying to throw away what little security still exists. That was Senate Republican Leader Mitch McConnell on the Senate floor earlier today. The FBI is also reporting that illegal aliens are increasingly being targeted for kidnapping, extortion, and other crimes. Where's the compassion in that? Texas Congressman Brian Babin is here with more on a discussion about how upholding the law is actually the compassionate approach. Also, the left is all worked up about Elon Musk's purchase of Twitter owns or runs uh, Twitter, uh, the president has long been concerned about the power of large social media platforms, uh, what they ha- the power they have over our everyday lives, has long argued that tech platforms must be held accountable for the harms they cause. Uh, that's when they uh, have a conservative bent. That was White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki. We'll talk with Joel Berry, managing editor of the Babylon Bee, which was exiled from Twitter. Joe might have some thoughts on what must purchase of Twitter might mean for the social media world. That's coming up later here on Washington Watch. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you miss anything, it's all archived right there. And uh, in fact, it's a great source for your friends that may not have access to a radio station or to a television station, a cable network. They can go to TonyPerkins.com. Our verse for today, coming from our Stand on the Word Bible reading plan, is found in Joshua chapter 19, verse 10. The third lot came out for the children of Zebulun, according to their families, and the border of their inheritance was as far as Sarid. Now, this was when the children of Israel were dividing up their inheritance in the Promised Land. The Promised Land, as we read, had borders. And within those borders, each of the 12 tribes of Israel had borders to their inheritance. You see, Even the Bible makes it clear that borders matter because borders represent identity. I invite you to join us in our two-year Bible reading plan. Go to frc.org slash Bible. You can also join me each morning at 8.44 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, for a daily devotional based upon the Bible reading plan. You can find it either at TonyPerkins.com or on my Facebook page. Earlier this morning, Russia reportedly fired three guided missiles toward the city of Zaporizhia. 
in central Ukraine, two of which hit the city's city businesses, while a third was intercepted and exploded in the air. George Thomas, international correspondent for CBN News, is there, and here is his on-the-ground report. Um, I was up early this morning when... Um the first explosion went off at 6.40. I was right here in my living room, and the entire building uh, shook. Uh, I, I mean, I've experienced these explosions before, but you never get used to them. And then the second and the third explosion went off, and I went outside. Initially, I thought that it was perhaps Ukraine's air defenses that had been activated uh, in order to um, shoot down or intercept uh, any incoming uh, missile. But the reports now uh, are that the Russian launched two low-flying uh, cruise missiles over the city of Zaporozhia, which I'm in, and over the Zaporozhia nuclear facility, which is Europe's largest nuclear facility. And apparently they hit uh, uh, an industrial enterprise location. They have not specified what that location was, but my sources are telling me that it was a very important uh, location for the Ukrainian military. Uh, the third uh, a missile was apparently intercepted by Ukraine's uh, air defenses and exploded uh, mid-air. This comes a day after the Russians uh, hit seven different locations across central and western Ukraine, primarily targeting railway lines uh, that are coming in from Poland because the Russians are accusing the United States and other countries of supplying uh, the Ukrainians with military, and they say that these are legitimate targets for them. So they hit these various rail uh, rail lines that bring strategic military equipment uh, to the Donbas region. And obviously the Ukrainians say that they have every right to hit Russian uh, military supply lines in their own country. All of this makes for some very, very interesting times. Thanks for your prayers. And we will be praying. I encourage you to pray as well for, especially for the believers in Ukraine, the church that is seeking to minister to those that are being affected uh, all across the uh, country of Ukraine. We'll discuss more about the latest events unfolding in Ukraine uh, when General Jerry Boykin joins us later, so stick around for that. But before we do, earlier today, U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken testified before the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, which is reviewing the $60.4 billion budget request for the State Department and the U.S. Agency for International Development that is part of the Biden administration's overall $5.8 trillion budget proposal. Secretary Blinken had just returned to Washington from what was supposed to be a clandestine visit to Ukraine that also included Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin. Uh, well, joining me now to talk about this and more is someone else who was recently in Ukraine, U.S. Senator Steve Daines of Montana. He serves on four Senate committees, including the Finance Committee. Senator Daines, welcome back to the program. Glad to join you, Tony. Before we get to uh, Secretary Blinken's testimony today, tell us about your recent visit to Ukraine. Yeah, Tony, I was in Eastern Europe uh, before Easter. In fact, I met with the Prime Minister of Slovakia, Prime Minister Hager. By the way, that is where Ambassador Brink, who is now the nominee to be the ambassador, U.S. Ambassador to uh, Ukraine, that's where she's currently stationed, had very good meetings, talked about uh, the S-300s, the missile systems that the uh, Slovakians had given to the Ukrainians, as well as the need to remove their dependencies on Russian oil and gas. But that evening, I had an invite. I was 
called by a dear friend of mine from Ukraine, who is a member of parliament, uh, also a member of the faith community, the evangelical faith community of Ukraine. He said, Steve, I've got an ability to get you into Kiev. We want you to come to Kiev. We want you to take you out to Bucha, just outside of Kiev, about 20 miles, where these atrocities were committed by the Russians, where they murdered women and children, civilians, buried in the shallow graves. You've got to see firsthand. But I think you'd find it interesting, Tony. It was a group of faith leaders that literally ushered me from Krakow, Poland, in their vehicle to the Poland-Ukraine border. We walked across the border at night, picked up by another Ukrainian pastor, who then we had a Ukrainian police escort that drove us to Lviv. Then I got on a train, met by another Ukrainian pastor, had tickets for us, and then we traveled by train from Lviv to Kiev. Well, there's missile activity going on during the night. That's why the train sometimes have to stop during the night. And that's exactly some of these rail lines that the Russians are now bombing because they want to stop the transport of lethal aid as well as officials into Kiev. But I got to Kiev and saw firsthand, Tony, the irrefutable evidence of the atrocities committed against these innocent Ukrainian uh, people. It was absolutely horrible. I wish nobody would have to see what I saw. Uh, the devastation of the, uh, as you see here, the images of the, these residential complexes destroyed by Russians. These are civilians, Tony. These were uh, grandmas and grandpas and moms and dads raising their children in a little village outside of Kiev, destroyed by the Russians. And then these innocent civilians murdered, executed, and buried in shallow graves. You know, Senator, having been in, in situations where you see destruction, uh, where this man-made or natural uh, events that occur, the pictures never do the justice to, to what it's really like to be there on the ground. What was your main takeaway as you walked through and you saw what has happened as a result of the Russian invasion of Ukraine? Yeah, well, I think, Tony, it's just a reminder for all of us uh, of uh, the fact that the forces of good and evil exist today. They, they, they've been there since, uh, since Genesis and just a reminder of the importance of having strong military to repel the force of evil, why we need to have law enforcement. I, there were police officers there in Bucha who were standing with me as they were doing the exhuming these bodies. And this police officer, through an interpreter, said, um, Sir, uh, I want to show you a picture of my daughter. He had a picture of his beautiful seven-year-old daughter on his phone, which he, she, she, uh, he showed to me. And then he gave me... Um, a wrist bracelet that she had basically knit together in Ukrainian colors that she was giving to the police officers uh, who were had to do this horrible job of exhuming these bodies. She said, I want you to have it because we are thankful for America, thankful that you came to our country to see what the Russians have done to our people. Tony, it's just a reminder again, uh, the world has forces of good and forces of evil. Why we must continue to stand for the force of good and fight against the forces of evil. You know, in Senator Danes, I was just talking with someone just a few hours ago about the situation in Ukraine and how, you know, just a few days before life was normal for these folks. And, and then when Russia, as you said, evil manifests itself, you know, none of us can be thought to be secure. I mean, we live in a un, very unstable world. But as you pointed out, unless we have a strong military to defend us and to keep the peace, you know, that could be America. No doubt about it, Tony. And you see what Putin's doing at this very moment. Just the, We're watching the reports coming in. You know, we, we get classified briefs, but speaking what we can talk about publicly, uh, they're coming around on southern Ukraine. They want to take the Black Sea. Keep an eye on that city of Odessa. 
In fact, one of the faith leaders that took me in Ukraine is from Odessa. It's a beautiful port city in the Black Sea. The Russians just sent, uh, uh, they just blew up a bridge now to the south and the west of Odessa. That's getting very close to Transnistria, which is a breakaway country from Moldova, where there's 1,500 Russian troops there as we speak. The Moldova is a non-NATO country. Uh, we're very concerned what might happen in the Mo- Moldova as the Russians advance uh, to the west. And then you've got the Russians right up against Romania. This becomes a very dangerous situation. And that is why it's so important that we give the Ukrainians the lethal aid they need, not just to hold off the Russians, but to beat the Russians. It's important Ukraine wins this war. Absolutely. And, Senator, we're up against a break, but I just wanted to underscore not only is it the strong military, but a strong faith community, as you talked about. It was the pastors that escorted you that are there ministering, that are standing really in the the spiritual defense of their nation. That's why we've got to protect religious freedom as well. Completely agree, Tony. It It was truly a blessing to have these Ukrainian brave pastors who were basically shepherding me across their country to make sure I could see the atrocities committed in Bucha. Senator Danes, always great to talk to you. Thanks so much for sharing with us uh, your experiences there in uh, Ukraine. Always great to see you. Thanks, Tony. All right, folks, stick with us, because coming up, the FBI is reporting that uh, illegal aliens coming into the country through Texas are increasingly becoming victims of kidnapping, extortion, and abuse and other crimes by local gangs. How can not enforcing the law and allowing people to be subject to such abuse be compassionate? We're going to talk about this with Congressman Brian Babbitt of Texas next. Don't go away. Are you struggling to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading with an intentional focus of diving deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues. By studying the Bible, we can see the grandeur of God unfold throughout the past. The Stand on the Word reading plan takes you through daily scripture in an engaging manner to help you stay grounded in God's truth. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you every Sunday with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org Bible. With the current division and confusion of our culture, it is so important for Christians to root ourselves in the truth of God's Word so that we are prepared to give a reason for the hope that we have. For this purpose, Family Research Council launched the Center for Biblical Worldview. The Center applies the Bible and the historical teachings of the Church to current issues. This helps Christians understand and live by a biblical worldview, know why Scripture must be authoritative, and equips believers to advance and defend the faith in workplaces, schools, communities, and the public square. The experts at the center address and provide resources on issues like religious liberty, abortion, voting, marriage, and sexuality. To access free resources like the Biblical Worldview series, go to frc.org worldview. To get highlights of the latest work of the Worldview Fellows, including blogs, interviews, and publications, Sign up at frc.org slash subscriptions. 
At Family Research Council, it is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, we've decided to be proactive to make sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. That is why we've created a tech subscription platform. If we get canceled, you can stay informed and still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts, and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742, and you will get special alerts on the biggest stories of the day. You can stay informed with just a simple text. We want you to be able to stay connected with like-minded community and to always have access to our content. Stay connected and informed. Just text STAND to 67742. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host, and uh, the website, TonyPerkins.com. Lots of resources there for you, so I encourage you to, uh, to visit that website. All right, pastors in Dallas, Texas. I mentioned this yesterday, but let me again invite you to FRC's Watchman on the Wall a pastor's briefing that is going to be held this Thursday at Prestonwood Baptist Church. I'll be there. Dr. Jack Graham will be there, along with Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick of Texas, And several others will be there. To find out more or to register, go to watchmanpastors.org slash events, or you can go to TonyPerkins.com and simply follow the links over. The FBI and U.S. Border Patrol officials say they continue to see an increase in crimes involving the kidnapping for ransom, extortion, abuse, and other crimes against illegal aliens who have paid human smugglers to bring them across the U.S.-Mexico border. Also falling prey to the local gangs behind these crimes are the family members of those immigrants who are in the United States or in the country of origin. This comes as a result of not enforcing the law. We're actually allowing people to come across the border, enticing them by being lax in the enforcement of law, and they become victims. Is this compassion? We're told that, you know, being compassionate is letting people come across the border. But look at how these individuals are becoming victims of crime. Here to talk about this and more is Congressman Brian Babin. He is the co-chair of the Border Security Caucus. He serves the 36th Congressional District of Texas. Congressman Babin, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thank you very much, Tony. It's always a great pleasure to be with you. Well, I want to get to the letter that you sent to the Secretary of Homeland Security, Secretary Mayorkas. But first, your thoughts on this report from the FBI that the uh, there is an increase in crimes against these illegal aliens coming into the country. I mean, we're told all the time as conservatives, you've got to be compassionate, and, you know, in, as if— right not enforcing the law is compassionate. Actually, enforcing the law is the compassionate things to do, because, the thing to do, because then you won't have these victims. You could not be more correct there, Tony. Uh, this administration is part and party to an enormous international crime syndicate. There's no question about it. Sex trafficking, human trafficking, we've got uh, uh, drugs. It's it's one thing after the other. And is it any surprise that now the FBI is finding out uh, that rival gangs are fighting and competing over 
uh, you know, a ransom for their uh, uh, for the people that they're they're trafficking into the into the United States. And I, all I can say is that the the Biden administration is absolutely part of this enormous crime syndicate. They have enabled the cartels. They have enabled not only just not only the cartels, but small time operators. Uh, this, uh, you know, if you if you'll look into this a little bit further, there th this kind of stuff goes on all over the place. Dead bodies found. We've got ranchers. We've got families, uh, Texans, people uh, that live in the southern on the southern border, uh, in all of the southern states, not just Texans, uh, that are having to put up with this out of control border where people come up to their ranches, come up to their houses, break in if they're not there, demand this, demand that. Uh, and, and, and quite frankly, the same with, with, the, uh, with people that are hunting. I, I know several people, good friends, who have ranches down there they hunt on, and they can't keep their cattle in, they can't keep their uh, belongings in place. And, and quite frankly, the, the Biden administration is responsible for every bit of this thing, Tony. And one other thing, if you don't mind my uh, saying, I, my hat, my heart goes out uh, to uh, uh, this Texas Army National Guardsman that lost his life trying to save a couple of migrants. Uh, and, you know, I'm a, I'm a former National Guardsman myself from Texas. And uh, when Jen Psaki in the White House was asked uh, if they had any responsibility for the loss of this, uh, of this guardsman, uh, she distanced, distanced herself from that and said, these, these guardsmen are down there at the behest of the uh, governor of the state of Texas, and uh, as if they have nothing to do with this, when in reality, they have everything to do with this. Those National Guard troops would not be down there right now. Right. We would not have these dead bodies. We would not have these ransoms uh, going on and, 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 and uh, 100,000 plus overdose deaths, uh, you know, a year. Uh, from the fentanyl that comes across uh, if it wasn't for this out of control uh, situation that we have because, absolutely because of the Biden administration. I actually have that clip of uh, Jen Psaki responding to that question. Uh, clip seven, please. Well, I, I, of course, we are mourning the, the loss of his life, and we are grateful for the work of every National Guardsman. I would note that the National Guard work for the states, and so he is an employee of the Texas, Texas National Guard, and his efforts and his operation were directed by there, not by the federal government uh, in, this, in this effort, in this apparatus. As you pointed out, they wouldn't need to be there. The federal government was doing sure. its job. But but I, I want to go back to this point of I don't think people fully understand you you come across the the border illegally, and and you you really got to kind of hide out. So if you become the target of one of these gangs, you're not going to pick up the phone and call the police. Uh, you, you are a prime target for others who break the law. So what we're what we're creating this domino effect by not enforcing the law enticing people to break it and come across the border and then become victims themselves by others who are taking advantage of their situation. Now, you led about 100 uh, Republican members of Congress as the, uh, the, the co-chair of the Border Security uh, Caucus in a letter to Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas that said, quote, he said his failure to secure the border and enforce laws passed by Congress raved grave concerns about your suitability for office. What do you mean by that? 
The man has defied court orders. He has, he has refused to honor and his commitment, his oath of office to uphold the Constitution. Uh, he was appointed uh, as Secretary of the Department of Homeland Security by the President, and his oath of office says that he has to do a job, and that job is to secure our border. He has done everything right. other than secure our border. You know, it's tough, it's tough to, uh, to, to undo a secure border. But Mr. Mayorkas, right. Secretary Mayorkas, has been very ably undoing our secure border in less than a year, in just a matter of months. Uh, he has erased right. our border. We have no more interior enforcement, or very, very little. He's done. He's done away with the construction of the border wall. That's a uh, that is an Article One power. That that was money that was funded and directed by the U.S. Congress. He's ignored that. Uh, he has defied the federal courts. Yes, sir. Congressman Batman, we're going to leave it there. I'm out of time, but we'll okay. continue the conversation. Folks. What is religious liberty and why should you care about it? Simply put, religious liberty is the freedom to choose your religious beliefs and to live according to those beliefs. Why should we care about this freedom? At Family Research Council, we care about religious freedom because we believe that it is an inherent human right that all governments have an obligation to protect. Tragically, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a tragic reality around the world that is not often acknowledged by the media, even though attacks on people of all faiths continue to increase globally. In scripture, God calls Christians to pray and care for the persecuted church, the downtrodden, and those who cannot help themselves. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. To access Family Research Council's latest resources and to learn more about religious freedom and what you can do to help the persecuted, go to frc.org slash religious liberty. Do you want to be able to stay up to date on conservative news? Are you looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged? Then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent episodes of Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, tweets and other social media posts, and our latest blogs, updates, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. You're listening to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Good to have you with us on this Tuesday afternoon. The website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, as we mentioned earlier, uh, after the Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, and the Secretary of Defense, Austin Lloyd, uh, visited uh, Ukraine, actually in uh, Kiev, to meet with um, uh, the leadership there, the Russians have intensified their attack on infrastructure there in Ukraine and also saying that this escalation could lead to World War III. Here to talk about this and more is FRC's Executive Vice President, Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, who spent uh, the last four years of his 36-year military career serving as the Deputy Undersecretary of Defense for 
Intelligence. He was also one of the original members of the U.S. Army's Delta Force. General, thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Tony, I'm glad to be with you. So uh, you, we've talked about how Ukrainian forces are standing up to what uh, the Russians are attempting to do. Uh, now the West is starting to take note that the Ukrainians are serious about defending their freedom and they're starting to give more support in terms of military hardware and equipment. Russia saying this could uh, escalate the situation and lead to World War III. What do you think? Well, first of all, what does that mean? I mean, I would make the case, Tony, that we're in World War III right now. It's not, it's not like World War I or World War II. It, it, but, but look at the number of nations that are involved in this uh, on either side. Uh, you got China, Russia, Belarus, uh, Moldova, uh, and, and parts of the Middle East that are lined up with the Russians. And then you've, you've got the Europeans and probably the most of the rest of the world. So. This is, I think that this is a threat that is being uh, used to the point that it has lost its meaning. I, I don't think that uh, people are taking it as seriously now as they were when they first started hearing these kinds of threats. And I think that uh, the last thing that Putin wants to do, I think, is to use a nuclear weapon uh, because that will ensure that uh, he has no future because uh, yeah, first of all, he will probably be one of the targets uh, if if he does that and there is a response from the NATO forces. With his movement in eastern Ukraine, is uh, Putin at a point where he might be able to to close to declaring a limited victory and, you know, bring this to an end? Well... Not if the Ukrainians have any say-so about it. Right now, the Ukraine is pushing back again, once again. They're pushing the Russians out of some of the positions that they have previously seized. The Ukrainians are just tough, rugged people that uh, are also showing the superiority of American and Western technology. You look at the uh, weapons that we have sent them, most of it has been American-made. And it's just like it was in uh, the first Gulf War when Saddam Hussein had nothing but Russian uh, equipment and, uh, and, and the U.S. and its allies left a trail of tears all the way back to Baghdad uh, by simply uh, killing them as they were trying to pull out of Kuwait. And uh, I think we're seeing the same thing now. The, the, our superiority in the field of uh, of maneuver battle space technology, I think, is once again uh, rising to the surface. So uh, the Ukrainians have a, a, a marvelous chance of winning this war. No kidding, winning this war. But it's going to go on for a while because of what you just said. I don't think that the Russians are going to uh, pull out of there. They're certainly not going to be able to negotiate a settlement for that area, not anytime soon at least. So. I think it's going to go on for a while yet. U.S. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin in a uh, wide-ranging interview today with Fox News said that, quote, the fight has evolved, and so the needs of Ukraine have changed. What do you think about that? I think what that means is that the administration has just accepted the fact that the Ukrainians actually could win this thing. They expected a, a three- to seven-day war and then a change of government, and, and, and it hasn't happened. In fact, the Ukrainians have 
have uh, surprised probably the whole world with the uh, the veracity uh, and and the toughness that they've demonstrated on the battlefield. And uh, so I think that uh, what we have here now is we have a situation where the administration of Joe Biden is accepting that these guys may be on the winning side and we need to get in behind them and support them. So it's kind of like, all right, now we're going to get serious about giving them the material and support that they need. That's my that's my opinion, my assessment of the situation. Now, first of all, let me say I'm glad he sent the two secretaries over there. That was a good thing, and they were the right two people to go over there. Uh, and I'm glad that he wasn't there. I'm glad that he didn't go, as some of the other heads of state have gone, because I think it would have been a far less substantive uh, meeting there, but uh, but he sent the right two guys, and that's a very good step forward. All right. Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for joining us. I know you're in high demand, so I, I thank you for working up, uh, working out a little time for me as well. <laughs> thank you. Good beer with you. All right. Uh, our own General Jerry Boykin, who is in high demand. A lot of people want to know what he thinks because he knows a lot about this stuff. And so we're glad to have him on the FRC team. All right. Coming up, we're going to talk more about Elon Musk and his takeover of Twitter. What does it mean for free speech going forward? That's coming up next here on Washington Watch. Don't go away. want to be able to stay up to date on conservative news? Are you looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged? Then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent episodes of Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, tweets, and other social media posts, and our latest blogs, updates, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. What is religious liberty and why should you care about it? Simply put, religious liberty is the freedom to choose your religious beliefs and to live according to those beliefs. Why should we care about this freedom? At Family Research Council, we care about religious freedom because we believe that it is an inherent human right that all governments have an obligation to protect. Tragically, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a tragic reality around the world that is not often acknowledged by the media even though attacks on people of all faiths continue to increase globally. In Scripture, God calls Christians to pray and care for the persecuted church, the downtrodden, and those who cannot help themselves. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. 
to access Family Research Council's latest resources and to learn more about religious freedom and what you can do to help the persecuted. Go to frc.org slash religious liberty. Attention university students. Are you looking for an internship that will help you grow as a Christian leader and allow you to positively influence the culture? Then Family Research Council's internship program is for you. FRC's life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program will prepare and equip you for the next step in your professional journey. You'll enjoy a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training. All of these offerings were created to aid you in your personal and professional development. As an intern, you will have the opportunity to work side-by-side with our experts in policy, communications, event planning, and more. The real-world experience you gain will prepare you to pursue a career of influence and make a difference wherever God calls you. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org internships to apply. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host, and the website, once again, TonyPerkins.com. All right, attention men. FRC is hosting its next Stand Courageous Men's Conference on May 6th and 7th. That's at High Point in High Point, North Carolina. The conference begins Friday evening and concludes Saturday afternoon. Speakers include yours truly, along with uh, Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, Promise Keeper Speaker Stu Weber, and Bishop Larry Jackson, and many more. To register or to find out more about the Stand Courageous Conference, simply go to StandCourageous.com. That's StandCourageous.com. If there was ever a time we needed men to stand courageous, it's today. Give us a call, 800-225-4008, for more information. Or, again, go to StandCourageous.com. Well, there has been a lot of buzz, or should I say tweeting, since Twitter announced yesterday that uh, Elon Musk, the world's richest person, would acquire the company for $44 billion. Twitter employees reportedly reacted mostly with shock and dismay, uh, getting the hotline to uh, mental health agencies. And they were uh, pulled in for an internal town hall meeting yesterday afternoon to receive assurances from the company's CEO and board chair. But some in the company and many more outside are cautiously optimistic while recognizing that there will be challenges. But what could be ahead for the social media platform that a decade ago declared itself to be the free speech wing of the free speech party? Joining me now to talk about this is Joel Berry, managing editor at Babylon Bee, the well-known Christian satire website that Twitter suspended last month for naming Rachel Levin its man of the year. And it uh, was that suspension, by the way, that may have been the last straw for Musk. Joel, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thanks for having me. So what is your reaction to yesterday's uh, announcement? <laughs> well, uh, it's been a, a fun couple days. Um, the, the the meltdown, I think, has been a, a bit fun to watch. Um, and, you know, we we... You know, obviously, we're not in communication with Musk or anything, but we do hope that that at some point we'll we'll see a reversal of some of these these policies and, and some of these suspensions that we've seen over the last uh, couple of years. Um, you know, in a return to a, a culture of, of free speech on the platform. I, I, you know, I, I think you mentioned uh, Twitter 
you know, originally branded itself as like the, the free speech platform of the, the free speech party. And I, over time, it, it, it definitely did lose its way. I think it got um, in bed with the government a little bit too much, um, it, it, almost to the point where it became a, a, a bit of a de, de facto arm of the government uh, that the government was using to uh, squash dissent, squash uh, criticism in a way that uh, wouldn't violate the con- constitution, you know, almost laundering their, their censorship of, of opposition through this, this private third party Twitter. And so it, it, it had become a very corrupt situation. And um, I, I'm, I'm excited about the future. It, it does feel like kind of a new beginning for Twitter. You know, Joel, I have to ask you, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of Babylon B. You know, those that know me well know that I have a sense of humor. Other people don't think I have a sense of humor, but I like the Babylon B. And, you know, what does it say about, and all your stuff is satire. I mean, it's, you're poking fun, uh, and I like that. I mean, it's, it's funny. It's funny, and it's good to laugh. But what does it say about a society that cannot tolerate satire? What does that tell us? Yeah, well, I think it tells us that the that the prevailing worldview um, of our society uh, can't stand up to ridicule, and and you know it, it's called many things these days. You know, a lot of people kind of use the the pejorative term wokeness to describe it, but there has been this kind of this brand new uh, morality, this worldview that is has um, been built up, come from the universities. It's kind of uh, you know infiltrated all of our our. Uh, you know, our systems and our, our institutions. And uh, it, it doesn't really, it, it can't really stand up to, to much of anything, uh, ridicule, logic, uh, questioning, um, it, but especially ridicule, I think, um, you know, there are very, there are very few things that can stand up to ridicule. Um, and, and that's why it's such a powerful, powerful tool, especially in this day and age, when, uh, you know, I think our attention spans are shorter, there aren't a lot of people reading uh, long think pieces, but a little one-two punch of a joke uh, can can get a message out there in a way that catches people off guard and and can uh, send the opposition on its you know put them on their heels a little bit. And so I think I think the other side recognizes the power of satire, the power of ridicule and mockery, um, and uh, and that's why they've attacked it. Well, they, they certainly do know the power of it because they use it uh, quite effectively <laughs> in the legacy media. Um, yeah. But they cannot stand a, a punch back. I, I, I love the way that the left operates. You know, it's kind of like the parents aren't looking and the, the younger one kicks the other one. And when he strikes back, he says, look, he started it. And, and that's what we hear repeatedly <laughs> is that conservatives are the ones picking these fights. Now, we're just having conversations. We're happy to debate these issues. We're, we're happy to debate. How in the world did you come about with Rachel Levin? Uh, being the woman of the year. I mean, uh, you know, <laughs> we can have those conversations. They can't because they can't defend yeah. it. Yeah, it's true. I, I think uh, one thing that I always say is that, and, and I think this has probably been said and, and by other people many other ways, but, you know, I think the the right wants the left to keep talking and we we invite it and the left wants the right to shut up because when the left talks, people are kind of repulsed by their ideas when they're, they're uh, presented honestly but people are compelled by our ideas. And so I think that um, anyone who comes in, you know, like Elon Musk uh, with this agenda to uh, bring all ideas into the light, to, to give them all a, a fair, um, a fair chance to, uh, to debate and to present uh, what they think is the truth. 
uh, it's a huge threat to people who really thrive in secrecy, thrive in darkness, and and thrive uh, in a, in an environment where um, there is kind of a a thumb on the scale um, in in their favor. Well, Joe, I think this is what, what the left has been about for the really. It's been it's been unfolding intently in the last decade. I've watched it uh, from from my vantage point in Washington, but. I, I kind of revert back to my days as a police officer. And when you're in a situation where you have potential danger in, 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 in an explosive environment, maybe a hostage situation, you want to keep the people talking. You want conversation because that's the way things are resolved. You know you're in trouble when communication breaks down and there is silence. That's when bad things happen. And so I, 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 I use that to talk about we are a very divided nation, no question about it, ideologically, uh, re- religiously, spiritually, you know, well, you, you pick it. We're divided. However, there was a time when we had conversations. I remember when I first came to the Family Research Council 19 years ago, I was on MSNBC almost every week on Chris Matthews' hardball uh, debating. And so we were having yeah. these conversations. As long as you're debating, you're actually sometimes you change someone else's mind. Sometimes they you know, they might change yours, but you're having conversation. When that shuts down and there is silence, that's when we're in real trouble. I wholeheartedly agree. You know, and I, I think the same goes for laughter. I, I think if we uh, if we can't laugh together about something, um, that's a real sign that our, our culture isn't healthy. And I, I think the, the thing that I love about the Babylon Bee and, and the effect that we, we have on the culture sometimes is, um, sometimes we are able to, uh, induce shared laughter on both sides. And those are, those are my most rewarding days. When I, when I see a leftist or a progressive or an atheist laughing at a Babylon B joke, you know, in spite of the fact that maybe they don't agree with, with our worldview and some of the premises of the joke, um, they laugh at the cleverness of it, or, or maybe, maybe kind of subconsciously acknowledge, uh, some of the truth of it. And, and I think, when we can laugh together, in addition to, you know, communicating and debating, Absolutely. Um, that's, that's a really healthy thing. It, 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 it really is. I mean, I know some of the, uh, you know, kind of the spoofs on the, on the, on the church folks that the Babylon <laughs> Bee does, uh, you know, I find amusing because, you know, what, what humor is, it's, there's a, a little bit of truth in it and you're able to kind of blow it up and magnify it in it. And it's really funny. And I think you're absolutely right. It's, it's healthy to be able to laugh. And I think it's, it's good to be able to laugh at yourself. You know, none of us are perfect. We all make mistakes and there's things about us. We all have our quirks and it's, if we can laugh about those, we're healthier and the world around us is healthier. But when you can't laugh or you can't take, as you said, a little jabbing or ridicule, we're in a really bad place. Yeah, that's true. I I think, and it is very important uh, at the Babylon Bee to to turn the cannon towards ourselves every once in a while. Um, like you said, we're we're all silly. We're all a little silly. We all make mistakes. We're all sinners. <laughs> and I think it's important to kind of acknowledge that uh, whether we're on the left or on the right, um, whatever our religion or our politics are, we're all kind of we all can be a little hypocritical and a little silly sometimes. And before God, we're we're all you know, in a pretty desperate place in need of him. So um, I think that's uh, sometimes the joke, whether consciously or not, people uh, are acknowledging that when they laugh at, at some of the joke, we're all a little silly. Yeah. And, and I think God has a sense of humor. I, I'm, <laughs> that's right. I, 
Yeah, I can see it. Uh, so let's just uh, very quickly, before we run out of time, Joel, are you optimistic? I mean, I, I personally am optimistic with Musk making this purchase, because why is he going to spend $44 billion for status quo? He's got to be making some changes or hope to, because, yeah. you know, Twitter has been, you know, was a place, a, a, a public square where we could have conversations, where we could laugh, where we could poke fun. Um, I don't think he's going to maintain the status quo. I would think he's going to change things up quite a bit. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, Elon Musk, he's an outside-the-box thinker. I think that's in his nature. I, I, he has talked a lot about uh, the potential of taking Twitter open source, which I think would be a great idea You know, for people all around the world to uh, kind of uh, customize their own Twitter experience, what they want to see, what they don't want to see, without some kind of shadowy uh you know, corporation deciding what you see and don't see, um, you know, he, he has Starlink, which could potentially, you know, bring access to Twitter to anywhere in the world, closed off countries, uh, places where there is no access to internet. And so I think it, it's a really exciting time for, for Twitter, social media, free speech right now, obviously, you know, this is a, a Bible verse I share with the other writers today, you know, I think from Hosea, uh, place, not your trust in princes, you know, their, their plans, come to not, uh, you know, everyone dies, we're mortal, but blessed are those who, whose trust is in the God of Jacob. And so, you know, ultimately our trust is in God. He uses powerful men to accomplish his purchase purposes one way or the other. And, and that's where our hope lies. So we're, we're kind of, we're kind of here, uh, sitting back and enjoying the ride and, and enjoying, uh, watching, uh, to see what God does and, and trusting him in his plan, no matter where, it, where it goes. So. Yeah, and and I'm kind of uh, honestly kind of enjoying the meltdown on the left. Um, you know, they, they. In fact, you you had a piece about that uh, today. Leftist worry Elon Musk will turn Twitter into a place where terrible people post bad opinions and fight with each other all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, we've we've gotten a lot of uh, uh, comedy material um, out of out of leftist meltdowns. <laughs> we we try not to be mean spirited about it, but it. Uh, it does provide us with a lot of good material. <laughs> well, I am hopeful that the Babylon Bee is uh, going to continue, uh, you know, poking fun at all of us, giving us a reason to laugh. And, and, and I think, as you said, humor also is able to make some very significant points. But it also, I, I find humor is a very effective tool in diffusing situations uh, when you can laugh, laugh at yourself. And, and if there's anything we need right now in our country and the cultural, political divide, the ide- ideological divide we have is to, to diffuse the situation and bring it down just a bit with a little humor. Amen to that. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> and we'll keep doing it so, as long uh, as we have a platform somewhere. <laughs> Well, let me, let me, what's any, anything you want to share uh, come, going forward with uh, Babylon B? Any new things coming up? Well, yeah, we, we're, we're excited about this year. We're, we're going to try to branch off into some new efforts. I can't divulge anything right now, but um, I just had a couple meetings today about it. In fact, um, really excited about what's in store. Uh, we have a lot of uh, really creative uh, and really brilliant writers uh, on our team. And, and I'm, I'm excited to see what we come up with here in the next year and a half. All right. You're looking for any writers. Maybe I could work part-time for you. 
Hey, yeah, you got uh, send them in. I, I take submissions uh, via email anytime. So <laughs> let me know. All right, uh, Joel, great to talk with you. And again, appreciate uh, what you guys do at the Babylon Bee. Really enjoy it. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, I, I, I tell you what, everyone on the left is just in a Twitter about Twitter. Um, just the fact that this may once again be a free speech platform where we can have conversations. I mean, many people have uh, returned to Twitter. Mark Levin's returned. Uh, Tucker Carlson has returned. Uh, others have uh, announced they're going back on to, to Twitter. I, I've kind of been there uh, at T. Perkins, by the way, just maintaining it, hoping that something might break. But there are other sources. I think we have to have a diversified portfolio of communication devices in terms of our platforms where we communicate. And that's why we have TonyPerkins.com. We've got uh, FRC.org. Uh, we're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Gab. I, I think as as Joe was saying, look, we're going to communicate however we have to based what platforms are available to us. And, and we've got some exciting news at the Family Research Council working on that we're going to be announcing in the, in the weeks ahead about our plans in the future, making sure that we can continue to communicate information from a biblical perspective, regardless of what the legacy media and others are doing. Well, folks, thanks so much for joining us today. Great to have you along for the ride today. Until next time, let me leave you once again with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6 where he says when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action, For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234. 